Good evening. Welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have a special guest, Jeff. Jeff is from the Steve Water Band, who I've been on before and I totally love. But we're doing a, a rock a record list today. Some of his top 10-ish audible mentions. We may have to do a part two because this is not a definitive list. This is just big picture, buckshot at a barn type of feeling towards the albums to get this going. Um, but before we start, I do want to mention, I want to thank you for hooking up some, some stuff. And I want to tell people, check out these albums. They're out in the albums. Check yes. them out. It is Return of the Wheel. And obviously, I'll do artwork as Turn of the Wheel. Great artwork. Um, fantastic albums. I love them both. Uh, I could do all the other stuff. But people, check them out on the website. It's March. They're playing. Check them out and support them. You know? That's what I have to say about that before we get to other albums because these are some of my favorite albums. So right on, Jeff. You got some good albums, and I'm gonna say a lot of your albums I have, which is even awesome. Okay, <laughs> let's start though with with, with the um, with the, uh, Eric and Steve uh, the theme from Deliverance. Do you want the? I have the actual cover right here. If you have the covers, the albums even even better. Look at that, huh? That is awesome. So, yeah. So That's like I album, told you before. Like before I told you, before we started, like I was beating myself up about this list because I have some obvious ones on here and I was like thinking of all the things that are missing. So it was hard to do, but it's supposed to be fun. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have fun. It's fun. This is totally fun. <laughs> you know, some of the favorite things I've heard is like, they're like, I didn't even think of this album. Like for me, it adds on to my day because I'm like, when, when you send me your list, I'm like, oh, now I'm next to no, I'm listening to this album. I want to say that loud when you order here. But I was like, so deep diving back in these albums again, I'm like this is such a good album. I haven't heard this in a couple months. Like it gets me back into more. Yeah, and that's fun. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Like it's not like I'm sitting around listening to these every day. But when you say all time, it's like right. It, it's yeah, impact. Yeah, this is more of an impact for people that say, oh, you know, they listen. They listen. You know, the Steve Water Band. They're like, oh, what kind of music has been in your in your in your wheelhouse? You know, and maybe the second yeah. one we do we, Return of the Wheelhouse. We'll do. <laughs> Of your favorite, right? Album. There we go. Well, the reason I picked this record, yeah, yeah, we could do that. The reason I picked this record is because this is like my earliest, my earliest memory of music. Oh wow! Besides my mom playing piano in the house, and later on, I had brother, older brothers and sisters that were playing Aerosmith records and and Zeppelin records in their bedroom. But my, I don't know if you, I'm going to give away my age here, but childhood of the '70s. Do you remember those big stereos that, that you could drop like six records? It would play a side yeah. and it would drop another. Well, uh, sorry, the coffee machine's freaking out back there. I can't but hear it. <laughs> Deliverance was a big movie in the seventies, and the soundtrack. This is this is not only my first introduction to bluegrass music or country music, but just music in general. And I kind of remember, but being about four years old when that record would drop, my parents said I would run like a madman through the house during dueling banjos and jump on the couch <laughs> and like go nuts and go crazy. So I was obviously physically affected by bluegrass music at an early age. So when you say all time, I, I, all time. I had to bring this up because it just affected me early. And then I had a lot of family that was, that lived in the South and we would take trips to Tennessee. And of course, um, I'm not a bluegrass musician, but I, I dabble in it a little bit. But then later on, you discover Ralph Stanley and Bill Monroe. And, but really, Dueling Banjos and this whole record was my first introduction to really music affecting me. So That's yeah, a solid like, first album, too. I mean, because uh, Eric Weisberg plays a lot of instruments. And, yeah. Yeah, you know, like 10 instruments or something. Like, he's a fantastic musician. That album, though, the, 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 regardless of what instrument is being played on, whether it's banjo or guitar, is ridiculously yeah. awesome. It holds up today. I mean, it is yeah solid and I, thinking and playing. Yeah, I just remember being really affected by it, so I thought I should mention it. And I haven't listened to it in a long time, so maybe now I probably will again. I actually was listening to it today. <laughs> actually, that's one of the ringtones on my phone. So for somebody, so uh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, there's not enough. There's no other country records. I think on my list, which I'm kind of embarrassed about because I like country music but you know maybe we do yeah. like you said if we do a list okay. of 500 i'll get them all on there we'll be a long it. Show. that's <laughs> right <laughs> as long as people watch it i enjoy myself it doesn't you know it's good 
that's what's good. See, I would say for me, and I'd say, I won't compare record to record, but when I was younger, my first one, and I'm also a child of the 70s, I'm 52. So I had, um, it was like, like little kid uh, record player, like Playmobiles, and had like a little film strip that would stick in it. And as the little 45 would play, like there's only like six pictures, they would slowly go through it and it would like narrate. It's like a little, little short five minute thing. It was about the, the Count of Monte Cristo, the guy in the locked up, whatever, musketeer guy. But the point is, on the flip side, was Johnny Cash singing Dark as a Dungeon. And I oh, was nice. like four or five, and that was the song that hit me. It was, it was Dark right. as a Dungeon. It was my first song. So Very cool. I hear you on that one. That's, you know. And it, yeah, you seven, remember that, yeah. Everyone's like, who? They're like, what? I'm like, I was the Johnny Cash when I was in the single digits, my friend. I didn't even know who he was. Yeah. I used to think Dark as a Dungeon was a cool and heavy song. And I didn't even know what heavy meant at the point, you know. So... Yeah, it's cool. you have, at an early age. Yeah, at an early age, it affects you. It really, that was my, and then obviously, just like you, Elvis, Beatles, you know, they start to add on to the imprint, you know, Zeppelin, all those make the big, the big picture. You know, they're all like paintbrushes for, for who you are, you know. Yeah, I mean, when I was, when I was like 9, 10, 11, before I played guitar, I was, I, I was just so musically lost in a good way. You know what I mean? Like I had yeah. hip hop records, I had country records. My brothers were listening to Led Zeppelin. I was listening to everything, and it, and I don't regret any of it because it's all music. It's all related somehow, you know. To me, I listened to such music and whatever. And then, like in the forties, when I was in my forties, in the forties, <laughs> and when I was in my forties, I started. I learned to start learning guitar because, like, you know, the like YouTube and stuff yeah. was more visual for me, were fun. And going back and relearning certain songs, I may have lost the luster for. Or I got bored because you hear them so much. And you're like, oh, yeah. this riff is awesome. This riff is great because of this. I don't know. Like, Dueling Banders is a fun song to play. A, it's a good song to practice on. But it's sure. a fun song to play. Like, it's and more to fun to play to... it than it's to listen to. Like, it is such oh. a good song. <laughs> I, I actually to play it. It's so much fun. But as you, know, you play, obviously, you're a world's apart guitar player. But to me, always exploring these, going back and hearing how these songs are put together. And then after playing them and learning that is it's like two different worlds almost well yeah you, you know? hear it you hear it you hear it innocently and then you hear it in an analytical way which i, I enjoy listening both ways but then sometimes you got to lose that analytical way to enjoy it or you're enjoying it in a different right. way like yeah i totally I think, know what you mean yeah like now if i listen to that i'm probably going to think wow i wonder what year martin is playing well, yeah, you about it, break <laughs> i'm not thinking that when i'm four years old i'm not thinking <laughs> <laughs> but, but 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 for this like i would say like for me like a perfect point would be like the eagles playing the eagles on guitar learn that made them a little more exciting for me because it got kind of boring hearing them all the time you know just appreciating the background the structure of the song yeah. you watch it back it's like oh i kind of get it now on a different level now a band that always surprised me that i love is, is zeppelin like when you learn the riff i'm like that's not what i thought the riff would be how, how it's how it's yeah. structured and you're like god that's smart yeah. Like, I love finding smart structures for a song that you didn't expect. Like, Zeppelin's good because the riff sounds good outside. But when you start taking apart the song inside, you're like, oh, wow. You know what I mean? And a lot that, of subtleties. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That is it. So, you actually, Zeppelin is, music. Oh, totally. Muddy Waters is a huge, you, hit, is your, well, you picked out, um, which is a great tie in right there to Zeppelin. You're uh, King B, right? Yeah, you, I have that one here too. We need to cover. Yeah, all the covers will be up too, but bring them up. The vinyl is even better. Oh wait, I grabbed the wrong one. I grabbed, I grabbed hard again. But yeah, King Beast. <laughs> okay. See, the thing is, like, the, I mean, obviously, there's that classic muddy, you know, recorded in the '40s, '50s, or '50s in that era and '60s. But that band that he used on those four records with Johnny Winter, Bob Margolin, Willie Big Eye Smith, Calvin Jones. Uh, I think it's Hard Again, King Bee, I'm Ready, and then there's a live one. So really, it could have been any of those four, but I just love that era of Muddy Waters. And we, when Steepwater started, I mean, obviously we're not a straight blues band, but we were really trying to, we spent some time trying to play some blues. Joe was playing, you know, shuffles. We were really into it. We were really affected by those four records, really? that band in particular. Yeah. Yeah. See, um, Johnny Winter is my favorite. I've actually had, I've had on uh, Edgar Winter. And I had to tell yeah. him <laughs> like, because we're doing he Edward Gordon had this has an album we talked about his brother's brother John whatever the album is he's promoting all songs and whatever and I said well my album Johnny Winter around that same time period was was his third degree album yeah he actually does Black Crow's uh, uh, tie in there Shake Your Money Maker 
sketches of steel dobro or like it's a steel guitar it's the dirtiest sounding album ever to me yeah, yeah, that's, that one. is that is that is the best that's my single favorite blues album ever you know yeah I, so i mean it, it was i had to i just had to put some muddy in there but any of those four records really i don't know why i grabbed hard again i meant to grab king b out of my collection the, the guitar same, work is same band <laughs> it's, it is and the guitar work is fantastic in there you know, there's like the third or fourth song. Every, it's like, everything. Like, yeah, like Frisco. There's a couple, two or three songs. Like, I think it's the third and fourth song when I was listening to it are the, like my favorites on that album. I really just jump out um, on, on King V. Uh, oh, James Cotton is on these records too. Yeah. Oh, see? Willie Big Eyes Smith. I remember we were so like, we were so happy. We were playing this blues club called the Harlem Avenue Lounge. Early, early Steepwater days. And Big Eyes Smith was at the bar celebrating really? his birthday with his wife and we got to tell him how much those records meant to us and joe joe our drummer is a huge willie big guy smith fan you know i'm sure he appreciated it too because most blues guys don't get enough props especially back yeah. then you know yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't but the, the feel just that band the, the feel on those records amazing yeah yeah great recording sound too the quality is really good on those you know if you think about it you know, um, and Johnny Winter produced them, I think. Produced all four yeah. of those. Yeah. Well, the thing is, they didn't have Marty's a big voice. Budget, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. It very, just sounds like they're playing in a room. But good. It's clean. It's all. Good that's really what you want. Playing. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's a good rock record. I mean, and that's yeah. that's all you need. So you picked out. Um, we'll hop on doors. Uh, we're seeing from the gold mine, which is, which is a great one. Yeah, um, and I got. Sorry, I'm reaching for these covers here. No, no, no. I've been known to do it myself. I always watch these. I see me do the same thing. A big stack. Now the reason I picked this one, it's a double album, because it's not really an, an album in the sense because it's uh, they released it after Morrison died. So yeah, it's a compilation double album. Uh, the reason I picked this one is because this is my first introduction to the Doors and very early introduction to to really sitting down and a record because I either an uncle or a cousin or somebody gave me a bunch of records and I picked this one out. Oh really? And, I, and it was my, I just thought it sounded, you know, when, you, when you're 13 or 12 and you discover the doors, it sounds like it's from another planet. Totally. And I, <laughs> and I love the, the song selection on here, you know, like Shaman's Blues and Spanish Caravan, which are all from other records. No, no, but like I, was, like, I love Wasp and Big B and Spanish Caravan are the ones that stand out yeah. for me, you know. So, I mean, it's a compilation. Um but this one really hit me. It's also the first time I really got hit by slide guitar. And I think it was, uh, which one's on here that has slide guitar? Um, wait, which one? Let me see. Because Wild Child, oh, Wild Child's not on here. Well, I might be mixing up my. <laughs> well, I don't know. Rob, I well, Robbie's always got these on there, you know? I remember Moonlight Drive and Wild Child being my first introduction to really appreciate slide guitar, but I don't see those on here. <laughs> But uh, I, Robbie Krieger was one of my first guitar heroes, too. And you notice I don't ask for too many autographs. Nice. Is that Robbie's? Well, I, uh, I opened for him with solo acoustic uh, about nine or ten years ago. And I met my wife, who's now my wife, that night, too. So I got to meet Robbie Krieger and meet my future wife this night. Wow. And have him sign this record. And yeah, so this record has a lot of meaning to me. That should be like framed up next to your wedding invites and stuff next year, like your wedding album. It should stuff, be, right? yeah, it should be. And I don't ever ask for autographs, but I was like, man, it's Rob Krieger, you know? Yeah. And and uh, it's, it's we, talked about, we talked about Robert Johnson and he liked my set. And I was like, well, this is quite, this is a pretty good night, huh? But yeah, uh, Shaman's Blues, Love Street, End of the Night. I mean, I know they're all from other records, but this this is the one that hit me. So you do. So you you brought the album down with you for the show, hoping you get signed. I did because I'm like you know I I'm, I'm not an autograph hound. I might have asked for I think Dan Hampton from the Chicago Bears when I was a kid. <laughs> I think I bugged Ian McClagan when we opened for him to sign a Faces record, and then this one. And that that's the extent of it. I'll, I'll stop there. But yeah, I, have, I, I only have no. I'm the same way. I have a few. I have one, maybe two or three. That's it. You know, and I've had a couple of things. You know, now sent to me very graciously with autographs on there. I'm like, especially got an, on a book or something, which is really cool. Yeah. But like for me to go out when I was younger, especially before I was doing music, uh, Steve Vai, I actually just did a post on Facebook when I met Steve Vai. Oh, I, yeah, I saw, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was, he was fantastic. And he really kind of led the, the, the charge and how, how somebody famous 
and how somebody who's not a celebrity should behave together to me that, you know, and being 19 or whatever right. I was 18 and, he, and seeing that I'm like, well, that there's the bar. You can't be a jerk to somebody because, you know, shortly after I met Clapton and he was not the same, but it was also around the time his kid died. So I don't know if it was before or after. So I kind of understand his oh, drunk yeah, face. Yeah. You know, I both did him yeah. at a mall. Actually, he had a big bodyguard and a super model looking blonde and he's really small. He had a frilly Bon Jovi jacket on and he was in a footlocker. Totally stood out. <laughs> I went and bought a tape. I, I brought. I went and got the tape. It was uh, pretending or something around that time. I, it was like the last of my money. I went in the, the record store. Was like right, right near there. I saw him in the store. I told my girlfriend at the time, like, watch him. And I went in. I got the tape. And I came in. And I, I, I walked up to him. And he shook my hand. He was like, was just like really limp. He's a real small dude. And I said, oh. I said hi. And then I said, uh, could you sign us? He's like, no. <laughs> I was like, wasn't oh. having it, huh? He wasn't having it, and I already had oh, the tape well. too on top of it. Didn't change my opinion of the music, but I was like, oh, I bought the tape for nothing. That was my food money. <laughs> it was more about that. Don't meet your heroes sometimes, right? Well, yeah, was, I mean, he had luck. Yeah, well, you never know everything. what somebody's thinking. Right. But Steve I was Yeah, cool. you never know he what somebody's thinking, me. what's going on. Didn't take it personal, yeah. did not take it personal. But Depends on Steve the situation. I, Steve I was my, was my thing, was, you know, like, like you, your creator. Steve I signing that, you know, I have that one still. It's not, it's not like a special import. Well, I try, I, which I don't do. I, I don't try to be either. professional. I try to be professional, not turn into a fanboy, but it's it's the goddamn doors. Come on. <laughs> I think a, there's a, there is a limit, you know. <laughs> there is a limit. So actually, you had me. So you picked out Bob Dylan, who also has a ton of uh, very prolific still. Rolling Thunder Live. Yeah. I'm cheating. I picked because there's like four records in there. That's what I was trying to find to listen to it because I wasn't sure which one it was. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I love I love every era of Dylan, but that's the thing about Dylan. It's like there's so much different. Even his voice has changed over the years. But as far as musical content and the the strength of his voice, I hate when people say Bob Dylan can't sing because I totally disagree. I think his voice is what what brings the songs forward. And and when other people, when other you know better singers, quote unquote, sing Dylan songs, it's it's nice. I get it. But <laughs> the grossness well, of Dylan in this, the mid seventies era, what's that? Well, that will add something different what? to it. It's more polished. He does sound different now. He actually sounds more professional, more polished now than I think he did. Well, yeah. I mean, whatever mid set like Blood on the Tracks, Desire. In you know that whole era right around this time, and, and then the band you know with T Bone Burnett, Mick Ronson, uh, you know yeah. Scarlett Rivera, all these fantastic musicians on it. The whole you know with the with the violin and just the whole sound. I got I had this on CD in my car, and I get like this. I must have listened to this record every day for. I just get in the car and push play. I wasn't listening <laughs> to anything else. It's just that's how hooked I was. I just thought it was so cool. Again. And just the fact that there's weird little technical things like the guitars have phasers on them, like almost on every song, like uh, they must have got sent some free phasers for the tour or something. They're all using <laughs> just stuff like that. But I think everybody noticed song, that. I mean, oh, you'll, you'll know every song that's electric is Mick Ronson or somebody's rolling a, rolling a maestro phaser through the amp. But in any acoustic stuff, but um, one more cup of coffee, Isis, you know, I'll just every version on here, Romance and Durango. It's just my favorite era of, of Dylan. I felt it's just really strong. And uh, I have bootlegs of other shows too, but this recording quality and just, it feels like you're in the theater watching it, the way it sounds to me. Or I'll have to go back to and it. listen to that, you know? Yeah, I, I, I can love the recording. It. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, this seen... one's, this one's a big one because I listen to it. I can't, I mean, hundreds of times. I just, I love it. So, Hurricane had to be on there. He, oh, it's good. He's good. You know, I want to say to people that, you know, hopefully we have people that are a little younger that aren't, obviously people from the 70s, but that weren't. There's a reason why things, you know, older guys and these, this music, you know, that's some boring older guy stuff. No, you really don't go back and push back the fact that something might be a cliche Zeppelin song or a cliche Bob Dylan. There's a reason why these songs are really good and why they're still talked about. Push back all the imagery or whatever is cool or not cool or hip because there's a reason why. And this is like, you know, fans of you or whatever, your, 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 your favorite artists, listen to it. Listen to it just as a song, you know, and then you'll understand the appreciation of not the hype. 
you know, just a song. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, someone like Dylan created this whole persona and uh, well, yeah. it just makes it that more intriguing. And the chances, same with Neil Young, the chances these guys took with their careers. I mean, uh, I mean, years before that, when Dylan decided to go electric, I know it's been talked about to death on these shows, but that was pretty ballsy. That's crazy. Because he was he was like the, you know, if you if you research the history of he was the folk scene scenes hero. god. I mean, he yeah. was the cap yeah, he was their hero. And for him to go to electric, there was people that were like really appalled by that. Like this like is burning some of his records and stuff. They were freaking he, out. Yeah. He didn't give a shit. And he's like, I don't care if I lose if I if I lose all my folk fame, I'm gonna do yeah, he did what was in his gut and uh just didn't care. They thought musicians like that follow their their gut at the risk of losing their so-called, you know, fame and status. They're, they're really following their art. Him and Neil Young, people like that. So, got to respect that too. I mean, no, you do. And there are others that have tried the same thing, and they did it for the wrong reason, and it crashed yeah. and burned. And, and, they, they <laughs> yeah. and the eighties was famous yeah. for artists also yeah. turning on their sound to add a certain sound to their music that wasn't a sound of theirs like, to begin uh, with. I don't know why. I'm gonna go metal like uh like uh I'm totally switching gears like when Celtic Frost went glam. <laughs> that was a perfect example. I actually remember being like, what is going on here? I brought that one out of left field. Well not for What's me that? because I was, I was actually I just read an article the other day about uh, Celtic Frost and I, was, and I was thinking, I was skimming through it wanting to see him talk about that. Like because I remember yeah. my buddy were like, What is going on here? Like you could be an artist, yeah. but I was not expecting this. Especially at that time, yeah, right. right now, the world's different. Not then, pa you know. Yeah, pioneers of black metal, and then all of a sudden they're trying to do the hair thing. I just, I don't know why I brought that up. It popped into my head. That would be an <laughs> example of, yeah, that's that's a little different. <laughs> that would be that would be like nowadays, like I don't know, be like Slipknot all of a sudden trying to be poison or something. Like you just, that's that's what it would be like nowadays. It's like that's, like, that's what? really what it was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was bananas, <laughs> and, and and it doesn't always work. <laughs> Well, and then Dylan did the whole, the, Dylan did the whole, you know, uh, when he got into Jesus. Yeah. I, I really feel that he, that's the way he was feeling at the time and didn't care. No. And just did, did it. And, and the band that he has on those records the, are a killer too. So no matter what Dylan is, is preaching or singing about, he always surrounds himself with killer bands there's so I could go on and on about Dylan. Records, well, well, the, the thing but is, that's it, the one I did. but you said it right there. He believes it. If you believe what you are as an artist, that's half the battle. Yeah. I mean, you have to have some talent too. Don't get me wrong. I have a good song. Well, yeah, well, sure, yeah. <laughs> but you still, but but Bob Dylan, like early Bob Dylan voice, was not going to fit on certain pop songs. It wouldn't have. Just like just like Neil Young's voice does not fit. I mean, Neil Young has to sing Neil Young. Neil Young is not going to go up and jam, you know, and do a, a, another song of somebody else's and be like, you're like, oh yeah. Unless he makes it a Neil Young song, he can't sing it like somebody else's song. Yeah, yeah. like, I, uh, but I love when Neil Young does do a cover, like you hear him do All on the Watchtower or something. But yeah, he does do a Neil, a Neil, Young, song. Neil Young song. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. He doesn't, he can't yeah. do, and it's not a bad thing. It's just like, he has such a distinctive voice. So you can have a voice that's not technically good that would never make it on the voice, but it could, it could be a not great voice that could be a great voice. Like, I love his voice. Well, that yeah, technically shows it's like not the a great voice. voice. Yeah. You know, I mean, those TV shows, there's obviously some mega talented people on those shows. But, yeah, they're anything out of the ordinary. Like, could you imagine Neil Young going on that show and, and all the judges going? That was great. Dude, he wouldn't even make it in there unless they made it in there because of his appearance. You know, who's this guy with the sideburns? Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and the yeah, who knows? You know, who well, knows? Come on. Sure, it'd be kind of cool. But while we're talking about cool bands. <laughs> So, back to another 70s, Led Zeppelin. You know, you pick you do well, yeah. graffiti, because that's a good one to pick because it's a double and it has so much on it. I mean, I mean, it, that, it, I had to pick a Zeppelin record. It's that, of course, everybody's seen this. Yeah, beautiful. You ever walk past this building in New York? No. There's an actual buildings in New York somewhere. I think I walked because it wasn't physical graffiti, the little store that was in the corner. I think yeah. it was a store called Physical Graffiti. That's where they got the name. But yeah, I mean, obviously, like Zeppelin Four is a masterpiece. It is as a guitar player. I, I do a lot of listening 
when I do listen to Zeppelin, you know, not like I did before, but Presence is one of my favorites. But as far, this one hit me at an early age. I'm picking these ones when I was 13 or 14. And when you listen to this, it's like, I remember hearing Cashmere mm-hmm. as a child, maybe my brother. And it's not, again, it sounded like it was from another planet. I'm like, what is that? You know, and then you get the, on this record, when you're four, when you're a 14 year old kid learning guitar, you're, you're getting exposed to blues, country music, rock and roll, Celtic music. Cause you know, it's four, yeah. four guys that were absorbing influences. You can hear Crosby, Stills and Nash, Janis Joplin on this record. You can hear Muddy Waters on this record, but it was their interpretation of it and their musicianship. It, I just picked this one because of the diversity. I was being exposed to so many things through one band, you know? Yeah, it's, well, it's hard. It really is hard. You ask you, like, would take, like, I still, like, I think Presence is a great album. It's underrated. Or even Into the Outdoor. I like all the albums they've done for other yeah. reasons. You know what I mean? I can't say, like, yeah, four is great because it's great for the songs, but I like the first ones. one. I mean, <laughs> I, I like them all just the same. You know what I mean? As much as the other ones. I mean, some are more fun because you know the songs and their hits or whatever. You know, you, you know more for the jams. But but the Presence and, and, and Into the Outdoor and stuff like that are just, those are some great underrated songs. That you know, oh yeah, everything. Good. But this one, I mean, again, early before I even played slide guitar, hearing in my time of dying. You know, this one has riffs that you're like, what? Even before I started playing guitar, I'm like, what? I did not expect that riff to be like this, these these parts. Yeah, in the know? light, in the light, cashmere, and then you got the acoustic stuff. The and it's cool that there's leftovers from Zeppelin Four on here. Like I think Night Flight and Down by the Seaside are from Zeppelin Four sessions. Yeah, I think so too. Oh, so, I mean, great. Two of my favorite Zeppelin songs, Down by the Seaside and Night Flight. There's a lot of little gems. The Rover, Sick Again. I mean, this, this is a good one. <laughs> it is a good, Actually, yeah, if you don't know that already, but yeah. Well, no, no, it's good. This is, I want people, if people haven't listened to it, check it out. It's, it's, that was your gateway drug into Zeppelin right there. I think it starts off with Custard, right? Custard 5? Right? Is it the first song in there? Um, it's, it's a yeah. great album. Um, and actually, and you know, I, we, I always... Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say the sick again thing is actually funny because it ties in to the next album we're going to do, but I want to hold on to, to thought for people that can think about it. What were you going to say? I was just going to, I was just going to say you, you can hear the, 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 the influence. In fact, custard pie is just, I've never understood this. I never got to the bottom of this. Um, I know Zeppelin gets in a lot of hot water over their influences, but yes. what's the song by uh, Mickey's Monkey? By I can't think of the band, seventies band. Ah, oh, I can't think of it. Having a brain I, I, I don't know. It got uh, to the point where it's so Mother's much Finest. Stuff. Mother's Finest. Yeah. yeah. They have a song called Mickey's Monkey, and the and the music is the same as Custard Pie. Same key, same chord changes, same riff. I don't know what came first, and I don't know what the deal is there. <laughs> I mean, I it doesn't sound it a little bit like it. It's the same. Yeah, it's hard. So, they coincidentally, have a lot of that songs that sound like a lot of the people's stuff. It kind of. I mean, it's, I played it on guitar. It's in the same key, same chord. Really? So, is that an ode to Zeppelin, or was Zeppelin an ode to Mother's yeah. Finest? Because it's around the same era, and neither of them give each other credit on it. But I don't know. But I have to look at the publishing. One. You know, it is a good yeah. one. It's fu- it's funny we haven't heard of that one. Yeah, I had to start shying away. I was, I was exhausted from all the legal battles there, just going after them. Like, all right, you know. It, it's, but that's yeah. what I like about Zeppelin is that they were influenced by obviously Elvis, yeah. Richie Valens. So you got you know that's another story. Ooh, my head and that, uh, Muddy Waters and Blue. But they were the stuff going around them. Like you can hear, I can hear Stephen Stills in Zeppelin, and like I said, Janis Joplin. Oh. They were they were absorbing everything and turning it into the Zeppelin, putting they're zeppetizing it. You know what I mean? It's well, a, even their own the- thing out of it. When they when they ended and they did um and then Robert did the Honey Drippers you know, it really ties yeah. into Zeppelin. I mean, it's actually it's Jimmy, Jimmy Page is actually in that that band anyhow on that album anyhow. So it was kind of very Zeppelin to begin with, you know. Yeah, and Page will always be my he was my first guitar influence and always be my favorite, you know, because he's a jack of all trades guitar player. He he dabbles in a little bit of everything and molds it into great songwriting. You know what also is really great about him is and, and um. He plays, and he can be sloppy. And yeah, I think that's a, and I think that's a great lesson to maybe not yeah. have to hit perfect. I mean, he has some of the biggest albums ever. And as a guitar player, if you go back and you listen to it, and you peel it back. There's some sloppy missing stuff. You know what I mean? That aren't yeah, I mean, and it's not bad. I'm saying that's good. 
And that's the realest thing because you're not going to get that nowadays. So to me, I even like that about it that he's not. He's you know he could do it a certain way, but that's how he liked it. That's how the song felt, and it's authentic that way. And he could play something perfectly if he felt he felt the need to. You know, it's just. But he chose that song for a reason, and that's like, well, it's good yeah. enough for you, Jimmy. It's good enough for me. If you felt that, you yeah. know, have a hit, half a thing, <laughs> it's fine. I mean, it's in key and stuff. You know what I'm saying? But you know, if you listen to some of the riffs, you're like, oh, that's feels like it should be pulled through more or something a little different. If you were like in a studio, did 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 to yeah yeah. But but if you're not listening to it, you're like, well, it sounds great, and that's how he sounds great because he didn't do it that way. Right. He he wrote for the song, and those pieces that he did are part of the composition. You know, yeah, and I think that's a lot that a lot of guitar players can take on guitars. Be like, don't beat yourself up. There's, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. It has to be a good. Song. Yeah, the feel and the emotion comes through, and the song comes through. That's that's the priority. That's my mantra. At least for me, song. I mean, nowadays no, no, it's, it's not that priority for some, but it is for me. Yeah. But for your for your type of music and the people watching our our fans, you know, that uh, that love these kind of talks and these kind of shows and, and your your band's music, you know what I mean. That's the fan yeah. base. That, fan base that I say we watch. They watch a show. The fan base that we're in are the same type of music. We all we're all fans of the same thing. You know. Sure. Sure. Of 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 the song. Um, it was great. Sure. You said uh, you were doing uh, saying sick again, which is kind of great because the next group actually it's funny to tie out. I think very very easy to tie this in. It's Black Crows. Black Crows did a uh, thing with Jimmy Page and Sick Again, and they did the whole tour with them. You you, you chose oh, yeah, uh, Black yeah. Crows, Southern Harmony Musical Companion. Which is a good album because that was their, that was definitely their breakout album. I mean, the first one was good, and I had Steve. I was talking to Steve Gorman about it, but to me, talking to him about this album was this was like a night and day album for them. This is a new band. That, that's what I like about it, and um, I mean, I love again. I'm a h- hardcore Crows fan, so mm-hmm. I know I love a lot of the the rarer records, and they don't really have a record that I don't like. <laughs> I like all their records, but. Um, I was kind of a late bloomer to the Crows. I remember when I joined. I when you were, yeah, when Steepwater um, started, Joe and Todd, our original bass player, we were always trading records and listening to music. And I'm, and they're like, "Man, are you into the Crows?" I'm like, "Yeah, I, I know the Crows. They kind of sound like the Stones." I'm like, "No, no, no. Check this record out." And and they turned me on to Southern Harmony, and particularly the spontaneity. And then you read about the spontaneity and how quick Ford had just joined the band and. and how quickly they did the record and the sound. That's another record I must have listened to a zillion times. Huge, huge influence on me. Just a great record. And they were a gateway to a lot of other music too, because they wore their influences on their sleeves, still do. But sounds like the Black Crows. When you got a singer that good, Chris Robinson presenting the songs. Great songs, but just a great record front to back. I agree. I mean, I, mean, I like well, the first one myself. Guitar but... tones and Everything, everything about it. It's a perfect it, record. It, it, a not perfect, perfect record. <laughs> once again, it shows. It's but that shows exactly musically. Two guitar players playing the same song. You got to find a sweet spot for each of you to sound good and not overstep each other, but be complimenting each other, which really says a lot about your playing as a guitar player. You know what I mean? If you oh, can't yeah, compete, yeah. you have to work and you have to serve your. You have to be a partner. It's like a marriage of. Two guitar players is even more of a marriage than the band. That sound makes or breaks a band when you have two guitar players, you know? Yeah, and I think probably bringing Ford in at that time took the band to a, another level. And Totally. And I, I think, I've, I, think I, I read an interview with him or something uh, where he said that they kept changing the songs, too. Like, it was so like, well, now it goes like this and changing tempos. And he was just kind of thrown in there and really improv and, and then um, and of course, we got to work with Mark years later. So how awesome is that? You know? So and awesome, as we said earlier, that that's where I got into you guys actually from. Literally, I think I was watching a Black Crows thing, and then I think the yeah. YouTube rabbit hole. Next thing you know, I saw you know Mark Ford working in the studio, you know, with this band. I'm like, who's this? You know, I'm yeah. listening and watching. I'm like, I'm yeah, pretty cool guys. I'll have to check out. You know, check out the music. I was like, oh wow. And then that was it. You know, I was yeah, guys, cool. I listen to Mark Ford now. But yeah. you know, I had Mark on and and. I see. So I see Gorman on a little while ago, and it was he was talking about the band. He goes at that point they were evolving so fast. Yeah, he was saying they were almost like a new band every eight months because they're changing so much, and they wouldn't put out. They're very particular. They have a song that he loves, but they wouldn't put it out because he didn't think it was perfect. They're perfectionists. Yeah. That's why there's not okay. a lot of bad stuff out there because they were perfectionists. 
Yeah, songs and they write a lot of songs. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine how many songs they write that don't see the never get recorded or. Right, and, and I think the, the the dynamic of all you know, you know, so many alphas in a band was so great in the beginning until you started getting you know money and drugs and egos on top of the alpha musicians. At first, it makes the great chemistry of those albums. You know, Amorica to me is like one of the best albums ever. You know, see, Amorica's right up there with me. I, I mean, it's a close tie, but but some about the production on Southern is a little raw. I can hear you on that one. Yeah, I, I, I got to go with Southern. Right, so yeah, see, I'd, I'd switch them. But to me, they're both, I would never say no. So I'd put them on. Somebody put that one on and be like, cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, they're both great. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I, I went to Southern too. So to me, it's, yeah, it's, it's a hard call. I like the other, I like, I like, they have some newer stuff that I like too. So I didn't like, they didn't lose me either. It's just, it's almost like different versions. It's like, it's like, uh, like Deep Purple or, or, or Yes. It's just different versions of the band. As a fan, I generally enjoyed most different versions of bands, you know. Some, yeah, some never, I mean, better. that's what I mean. The, the Crows, they're always, I mean, they switch band members and the seventh lead guitar player. Um, but it's always good. And by the way, I don't mean to get off on a left field rant, but the current guitar player, Isaiah Mitchell, man, I don't know if you're hip yeah. to him, amazing guitar player. And he has a band called Earthless. Like, if you're hip to Earthless, no, check man, it out. Check it out. Oh, you got to check Earthless out. So, yet again, I, they I have will. a great lead guitar player in their band. And anybody who's passed through the Crows is, is not a slouch. <laughs> no, you're, you're not going to suck if you're in the Crows. It's like, it definitely What's that? Some, yeah, you're not going to suck if you're in the Crows. I mean, despite the dynamics, <laughs> it's always, you're, there's always good musicians, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. It's weird to me was the, uh, when they did Magpie, you know? Yeah. At that point, you know, uh, Mark wasn't into it because he didn't want to do it on the Crows without, without uh, Chris. He wanted to do a different band, you know what I mean? He showed up and yeah. he said they're going to write songs. And Richard had the songs written, so he kind of didn't do a lot of writing either in that band. Yeah, yeah. A shame, really, because it was most of the band. You know, it was a good. Yeah, sorry, my dog was howling in the background there. <laughs> no, I'm saying, but the, the Crows fan like to go up and I get back together again. At least it's most of the guys are together. And Mark's writing with Rich. Let's see what they got. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought I thought Magpie was a killer band. I yeah, saw I them a couple times. John Hogg's a great singer. And- yeah, amazing, amazing. Which band. is weird. So, he, yeah, that's the thing about that's that's the thing about the Crows camp. Even like when the uh, when they break up, you get all these great solo records and other bands. <laughs> and then when well, you get back together, you got the Crows. It's it just spawns more good music. <laughs> it's like a family tree, you know. Maybe it's a, t- a twisted, maybe a twisted tree, but it's yeah, still maybe, a, yeah. a tree, you know. And, and it's like it's hard. Like I'm glad, you know. And it seems like the brothers are actually back together. And I'm kind of happy. And you know, and I hate the fact that people say it's a cash grab, dude. Every band that plays music needs to get cash. Like, do you, when you go back to work, if you leave your job and you go back to work on Monday, is that a cash grab? No, man, you're getting paid for working. It's not. Like, it's yeah, and you know, and then shake your money maker is their their record. They have every right to go out and play that right. record if they want. And and it's refreshing to see a root a roots rock rock and roll band selling tickets like that yeah. in 2022. I mean, that's great. I'm super supportive of any band that's doing, you want to go back? So maybe you didn't get burned out. Maybe you're doing too many drugs. Maybe you were mad at your brothers. Maybe you're doing this and that. Maybe having five alphas in the band right now at this point in your life is not going to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, if the brothers want well, to do people it. people get in the... You know, yeah. good for them. But, I mean, it, you know, it's hard. You know, it's a hard call because the gross fans get really, really worked up. I'm like, whoever's doing whatever, have fun, man. Just enjoy it. I'll take whatever. Yeah, well, people people get the idea in their head that they know these people personally through the music, and then they spawn their opinions. They don't know what's it's none of your business, really. Behind the scenes. no, it, 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 and, and if you're a musician, your and fact, no, and the fact that like a musician, like to have musicians will actually be the ones that are more critical about it. It's a part that is, is baffles me because I'm like, you're a musician, you know that a dynamic in a band, you know the power struggle over a stupid hard to keep a band together. Yeah. I mean, you, you used the stupidest fights over a song, over a couple of chords, a couple of lyrics, like blood battles yeah. over over two words, two words. Like in the real world, that's insane. Yeah. So to be in a band and know that kind of stuff, and then see how long Black Crows existed before imploding, to do this stuff, is a miracle. Yeah. So to me, I'm like, yeah. if they find, if the, and, and the best part is, guess what? They are brothers. They can still recreate yeah. the sound, and regardless of what the goes on with them, it's a good sound. You know, let them play. Yeah. You know, to me, it's, exactly. it's, it's, it's good. For them. I see, I see the footage online of them. 
the like bootleg stuff on YouTube. They sound great, you know. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, they're not going to go out there not sounding good. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward. To the the album they did an EP 1970 75 70 did an EP and it was just on like I don't know Apple or Spotify. It's like, out it again. On one... It's out on vinyl now. Yeah, yeah, and it's out everywhere. It. Yeah, yeah. They first released it just as one 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 streaming service, I think. Yeah, you can get it now. Yeah, I, I think that was a bad move at first because I'm like, you can't do that. We don't do it. There's no such thing as imports anymore. There's no special. You need to put it out there for everybody because no one's going to be jumping services for you. If you don't have yeah. it in front of them, Black Rose or not, if I can't see it on iTunes or whatever my service is, is right, yeah, whoever, whoever the person is, no one's going to jump for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You guys are on yeah. every service. You can't not do that. Um, yeah. Going way back to another influence, Robert Johnson, complete recordings. Yeah, um, and you know, I've, I was kind of miffed because I went through my my albums and, uh, you know, it's all alphabetized and went to my J's and Robert ain't in there. So somebody stole my Robert record, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> but yeah, the Robert Johnson, I mean, he only did what one recording session or two recording sessions. It's so hard. There's a couple of compilation things out. There's not a lot on there if you go out on streaming services for it, but this was actually on it as it is. It's amazing. It sounds amazing too. Once again, a lot of old blues albums sounds amazing. Yeah. You know? And um, I had to pick Robert Johnson because by, you know, by listening to Zeppelin and the Crows and Stones and uh, you go back and realize where that stuff came from. And obviously there's a ton of great, you know, uh, Charlie Patton and, and all these other great blues guys of that era, but Robert Johnson's kind of the, 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 the king of that era as far as being known, I guess, in the blues community. And then all the mystery, you know, the, the folklore oh, yeah. with the devil. And then the whole thing, but, but the songs, you know, come on my kitchen and crossroad blues and love and fame. Yeah. Hell writing those songs but, yeah. but then how about the thing where now there's controversy over the speed of the recordings you can no, you can get that. all because you know a lot of oh uh, yeah there's a thing where they claim that the, the recording is at the wrong speed and then they re-release them at a slower speed and if you get those robert johnson's at a slower speed it, it kind of sounds more like sun house his voice sounds deeper and I don't know what to make of that because I haven't I haven't sat down with a guitar and sit, saw if the slower version puts it in weird keys. But to me, it would seem like if it, the recording was sped up, wouldn't have somebody said something sixty years ago and be like, "Hey, Robert, your record sounds funny. Was there something wrong with the tape?" I don't because this controversy started what twenty years ago when people started saying those recordings are sped up and that's why his voice sounds so high. I haven't analyzed that to the fullest extent. But that's really a hard one to prove because you know when it was recorded and like. <laughs> With gear, so if it was recorded, it was sped up. Obviously, it wasn't on purpose because you didn't have the yeah, technology. Yeah, and wouldn't have somebody uh, said something? So you can go on YouTube and they'll play like both versions. And when they slow it down, I haven't listened to that in a long time. His voice does sound more normal, quote unquote. It sounds more like a deeper, like a sun house. It's not that high. So I don't know. It sounds good on both speeds, to be honest. Maybe the, maybe <laughs> you know we could we could throw it out there and say you know maybe the tape itself, the machine itself record and you know because you know tape tape machines did have the speeds were kind of goofy well, sure, but this is pretty drastic well i know i'm saying i don't know, maybe oh, that was yeah. just a, well, i would say worst best case scenario the machine was off and it was accidental and no one just realized it and they assume that's how you sound when you record so no one said anything that would be the, maybe the most blanket statement but to me i don't know i think it, i don't notice it by now like somebody should be like i was in it i saw him back down in the clubs back down and said that's not what he sounded like. You know what I mean? Somebody was that's like, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm, but there's no recordings of him playing in front of people or anything uh, to, to, to compare it to. So The only thing with being slower and thinking about it, playing back, being like, oh, it's hard to play slow. It's hard to play really good slow. It was better to play faster. Yeah. So we just make them, no, make them that much better. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I'll, I'll go on record as saying I, I enjoy Robert Johnson on both speeds. <laughs> you are not controversial whatsoever. Thank you for that not vanilla really. decision. No. Not really. <laughs> well, the point is that he's good. And and, and really, you know, when people listen to it, I want people to go back and listen to these albums and say, think about the time period it was at. And and go like, well, yeah, I've heard a lot of guitar players like this because you've heard your Zeppelins and your all these bands for years. Your brain's yeah. built in. you got to take yourself back before any of these guys ever existed. He had no yeah. influence from anybody. Where is this guy coming up with this stuff? 
There was none of this around. Nothing was electric. Nothing except for other musicians that he that he was around. That's where they they all right, stole he, from each other. And, but his technique but there, and that, yeah, crazy. He yeah. was innovative on a, on a level that people just don't get. Not just because he was early blues. It was because of what he did. Like like Eddie Van Halen was innovative, not because he's cool. Eddie Van Halen. He's innovative because he was innovative. You know, it's the, yeah, the hype sure. of everything. You know, yeah. And Plus the lyrical great. content too. The, the songwriting. Not not a lot of other blues guys were 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 uh that deep in their lyrics or in their arrangements like robert johnson no i agree i agree on that too he's he is good uh neil young now uh, you gave me a different title so which one you got for the uh, uh, yeah i think i i told you the wrong title i have uh what did i do with it i have live for us here yeah he i oh, yeah. was online and i came across he just released his 42nd album but we'll, we'll talk about that one now. So Live Ross is great. That is a standard. That's up there with yeah. the Harvest and, and all of his other albums. The big, big five. That'd be his top five albums right there that people know. Yeah, well, I like I like the murky recording of this record. It's got like a murky sound quality to it in a good way. And I like the way Crazy Horse sounds live. And the acoustic section, the Sugar Mountain, and Comes a Time. I mean, some of my favorite stuff, Sedan Delivery, Powderfinger, Cortez the Killer, you know, all that with Crazy Horse. Well, this one hit me. I like, again, Neil Young's another guy where I could name 30 Neil Young records that would be in my top 10. But this this one has been listened to about a million times. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing uh, with that. I'll say. When You Dance, I can really love. Probably my favorite song. Yeah. Well, a lot of these albums, I see like albums. This is an album show because it's great. Um. I have an album collection, I don't know, three, four, I don't, but that's one of the ones in there. And there's certain things I have that I have, I want, there's certain albums I won't buy in vinyl because they sound like horrible. There's certain albums yes. that are vinyl albums. I have that album. That is a vinyl, play my record player. Yeah. Original copy, worn out sounding, crackly. That is, you know. Yeah, you know what I mean by murky? It's got like a, it's a, I don't know for lack of it, it's got like a dark, Something about the sound quality. It's got like a dark quality to it, but real warm in the performance. I mean, and what they left on here, if I'm not mistaken, like literally, this is typical Neil Young. Sedan Delivery, they literally fall apart in the middle of that song. I just left it. Because <laughs> they were in the moment and they're like, "Why? we're not going to go in the studio and fix that. This is, yeah. I mean, they literally stop for a minute and they come back in. I'm like, that. that's, you know. Neil Young being that's, punk rock, you know. So that's I, real. I love everything about this record. That's a good, that's a good album. And I was saying that. So I, when I was going through listening to this, I went online and um, I discovered he just put out his forty second album, and it's a, yeah. it's a, it's the thirteenth album he's done with Crazy Horse too. So he's still doing stuff with him. Man, yeah. that's but now that's they got Mills playing with him again. Yeah, yeah. that's insane. Yeah. And it, he sounds good. And vocally, sounds great. It's a good album. Yeah. I mean. I just skimmed through it because I'm like, what's he sounding like still? Is he changed? Is he whatever? No. He still sounds like every, you know what I mean? I don't know where he's getting all this yeah. stuff from. Albums I'm trying out. to keep up with the new records. I, I was just getting into the barn and now he put the, another one out, right? Yep. That's, that's what you exactly. <laughs> I, I literally, up, yeah. I, I, I saw I had two. That's what I did. I, went, I heard part of the barn and I heard part of the new one. I was going back and forth between the two. Yeah. Good idea where he's at in the past over COVID time period. You know what I'm saying? Right, I was like, wow, right. man. The barn, it sounds record. That's a new one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but it sounds just like, it's very similar, you know. I, I overglance, the, the quality, the sound, it's same good quality. And Mil, and um, Mills Lofgren's in the band these days again. He was always kind of in and out of the poncho. You know, he's got, was yeah. retired, I think, but Mills is kind of in and out of the Neil Young world. But he's been in the past few years recording with him. I'm a big fan of his playing, too. I love the way he sounds with those guys. I think under underrated player, really. That's not a name you hear as much in circles, you know. Yeah, but you two of the biggest gigs played with Springsteen and and Neil Young. Think about it though. How <laughs> often do you really hear his name separately? Yeah, and and all the years on all the albums with all the, those two big icons. How often do you yeah. hear him mentioned in guitar or in musician top twenty circles? Even you don't. Yeah, and I have that first Mills Lofgren solo record from like seventy two. It's a killer record. I think what happened is those guys are so good. You expect top top notch musicians, almost like back in the day when you have like a big band, like you know, like like literally like you know the big band players, like Bing Crosby. You expect everyone in that band is a top performer, 
So you just assume it's there. Because, yeah. like, same thing with Tom Petty's band. But not all musicians. You don't hear those guys name dropped as much either, individually. No, they're, yeah. They're, just, they are standalone guys on their own. Yeah, that's just that's the way it works sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's people like us giving them props right now. <laughs> and people Taking like, yeah, for granted. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Petty or, uh, or like, or the Crows or whatever we're talking about, they're not going to, yeah. they're not going to go out there with people that, that, aren't killer musicians. <laughs> no, I'm happen. actually reading Tom Petty's biography. Uh, I, forgot who wrote I read it. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm like two thirds in and uh, just listen to the, the push and pull of getting through the band together. Anyhow, I'm emotionally exhausted. I take a break. Yeah. <laughs> but how great is the dirty, the dirty knobs, Mike Campbell. Yeah. I think he's, <laughs> I think he's always had that band, but now obviously because Tom's gone, that's his full time thing. Those are those two records they put out are phenomenal. Wow. I'd love to get in his ear one day. He is, he is a, he is a man, you know? Yeah. I agree. He, he's fantastic. Um, we're going to roll into the last two. So actually we're going to skip the last one. Go back to that one. Pink Floyd animals. And actually they just released that as a remix thing recently too on iTunes. Well, you, you know that. what? I know everybody's seen this cover, but yeah, I thought it's this iconic. one it's sounded iconic. good, but I listened to the, I listened to the remix Mm-hmm. But I had this, it was only on my phone and headphones. And I was skeptical because I, because animals, why, you know, don't, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But I thought the remix was incredible. Have you heard it? Yes. But I had to go back and listen a while. So I compared the two because I actually think they took the original off. So it's just the remix. So I couldn't do a side by side. Because there's always changes was- now, you know, online with digital. Like it's Atmos. It's not really Atmos. It's Apple Lossless. It's like it's always yeah. changed. And you're trying to catch up, but I think it sounds it's good. Just, I think it was it was obvious. Like the I was hearing more guitar parts, more vocal things, more B three organ. I mean, it's definitely a remix, um, which is a surprise because they've had pretty good production from the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't have a problem with the first one, right. <laughs> but again, this era of uh, Pink Floyd's another band where I could name ten records I like, but this era. You know, the angry Roger Waters lyrics and the probably what it's got to be my maybe my favorite guitar album, electric Is guitar it? album, the guitar playing on this album, just the band in general and the and the whole production of it. It's it's animals, you know, it's a classic. I, I, love, I love all, all of Pink Floyd's albums and I will say just like you just can't not love them all. To me, I think it's is Atomic is the one with a cow on it. That's that's my favorite one. It's escaping me right now because we're talking about it right now. Oh, Adam Hart Mother. Yes, that's one. I think it's a yeah, that's a weird on one. It. That I love that yeah. one because it's so not what you think of Pink Floyd to be. And it's so yeah. early. That's another book I was halfway through. I, I I read like three books at a time. I bounce between them. Focus yeah. issues. <laughs> but that's another that's fantastic hard. story. It's a fantastic story. The early story of, of uh, Pink Floyd is a fantastically interesting, wild adventure. You know. And I like those first the first record. That's a whole it's different. Not, yeah, yeah. The sit there. I mean, and then the classics that you've heard a million times, Dark Side of the Moon will always be Dark Side of the Moon. I mean, but there's a reason why they're classics, once again, you know, it's all about peeling sure. back in. This show should be called Peel Back the Hype. Um, we're going we're gonna to yeah, end. As far as... Yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, but as far as... <laughs> we're, both, we're both excited about animals. I know, right? <laughs> I think all these songs, how great they are. It's a good album, you know. Yeah, and the production, I just, uh, again... Obviously, if you notice, ninety percent of my picks here are from the seventies. I obviously got a gravitation towards seventies production, but it's just a warm. The guitar tones, the bass tones, the keys, the, the drum tones. I mean, everything about it. And I got to be in the mood. This is a deep listen. You don't casually put animals on, but about once a year, I'm like, I got to listen to. Animals. It's not like I'm listening to animals every day, but about once a year, I got to revisit animals you know i couldn't get into pink floyd until deep I, I dug their stuff in high school but i couldn't i was into more faster aggressive stuff because of my energy level i had to chill yeah. out a little bit <laughs> like i i appreciated them but i could never get through a whole album because i'm like i just can't sit still long enough so i was very yeah. very much into more more upbeat music and as i got older i could slow down you know i could yeah. through it and really really enjoy it do long periods of time now you know yeah well, maybe riding in a car or something. Yeah, yeah it, it's definitely background. It's creative music. It's just not, you know, go out there crazy music, you know. Um, like, I couldn't, I couldn't, like, listen to it. And, you know, sometimes I listen to music because I'm, I'm mowing the yard or something to get through it. 
Actually, yeah. your band is your band's a good band. It kind of get me upbeat and get me through the night. Get me through the, All <laughs> right. the whole process because it's upbeat. You know what I mean? I think I'd probably gotcha. drive my mower off, off off into a tree or something if I had to listen to like a droning no three hour solo on Pink Floyd. I'm like I can't. I, I need to. I can't relax. I gotta get. I gotta get, get through this. I can't. Right. <laughs> can't do that. We have a so. we have a couple slow burners, but not 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 too much for you, right? Gotcha. Um, <laughs> Talking about blue, we're going to end on, on, on a good one. Actually, uh, they're all good, but Rolling Stones, Exile Main Street, which is a cold classic. And it's a, really the blueprint for our dirty, bluesy rock. I mean, for them, you know. Yeah, again, there's another band I could pick 10 records. Um, and I, I really, as much as I love Ron Wood and Brian Jones, I like the Mick Taylor era records, Sticky Fingers and all that. But oh, those are. Yeah. When I, well, Mick Taylor's on this too, along with other, but, but, um, yeah, Exile. I mean, Torn and Frayed, Love and Cup, Rocks Off. Yeah, the whole the thing. whole sonically the sound, the whole story behind it about recording in the house, Tax Exile, and just the whole vibe of it. And I know, uh, I know Mick Jagger said in interviews that it's to him it's the most one of the more disjointed Exile or one more disjointed Stones records where he didn't think the arrangements were as good as some of the other records. Well, whatever. You know, it's, it's it sounds like a working band similar to, to Physical Graffiti. Right. Where it's, there's all kinds of things going on and it sounds like they just woke up in the morning and wrote tunes and recorded them and got the vibe and, and put it on. Get out there. And, you know, it's Exile. It's a classic. Right. Well, that's why people love the Crows when they came out because people are missing that because what happens is a lot of these bands later on like the Stones had other big albums, you know, especially in the eighties and nineties. I heard, I've listened to them, but they weren't like, they didn't really jump out of me because it was probably too organized, too together. It wasn't the same vibe. I felt like it was like they, you know, it was missing something. Yeah. You know? um, but the Stones, you know, to me, there's very few mistakes they've ever done, you know, uh, uh, except for maybe, maybe those outfits in the video, the Harlem Shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> That, 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 those, 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 those outfits, you know, a little, a little rough for me. But everything else is good. The music's fine. <laughs> yeah, that whole Mick Taylor era, all those. Yeah. Well, even after that, I mean, I love Ron Wood too. And, uh, oh, yeah. But love Faces, of course. Should have a Faces record on this list. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, true, yeah. That whole era, I mean, that whole string of records, uh, the Sticky Fingers, even Goat's Head Soup, and all that, all those records. I love all those records. Yeah. Good stuff. It's, a, it's funny. I want, you know, these are these are good choices. I've done a bunch of these, and I, I, you know, it's usually obviously it's always a, re, a repeat guest and somebody that got along really well with beyond just you know a regular interview. So it's yeah. a little more fun and more, more of a casual talk. And uh, I don't think we've, I don't think I've ever gone past the seventies to anybody with an album. It's always the late sixties and seventies. With songs, you mean? No, with any albums that people pick from their choices. Oh. <laughs> well, there's a lot of records that I like current records. But but yeah. people are like what what? But when you say all the right time, now. that's why. Right. That's why it's like yeah. all time. Well, yeah. What about somebody who's you know from from fourteen or thirty five or 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 seventy five, fan of the band? Like you know, I dig Jeff's you know riffs. What what did he listen to? Like what influenced him? And that's what this is. This is like a a, a, a little platter of like right right that excited you as a songwriter. That's right, kind of right. the goal. To be like, you know, who's your favorite musician? And then we'll, we'll talk about why it is exciting for you. Yeah. Which, which, which is always like a gift as a fan or a musician and a fan. It's a gift because you're like, yeah, I get it. I see that. Or I didn't, I didn't know you like that person. I'm going to go check yeah, them yeah. out. You know? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Absolutely. I get a lot of people that reach out afterwards like, oh my God, I didn't even know that. I didn't think about that. It's, it's real, you know? I got a sack of honorable mentions over here too. Go for it. And yeah, I, would... I do. It. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Well, a guitar teacher gave me this record when I very when I first started playing. Well, no, actually not when I I'd been playing for playing guitar for about a year on my own. And I took lessons from a couple of teachers uh, for a little while, and one of my old guitar teachers gave me this record. BB came wow. live in Cook County Jail. <laughs> and Cook County Jail is about an hour from my from here in Joliet. And uh, the record starts out where they bring the warden out to introduce B.B. King and, and uh, all the inmates boo the warden. And then uh, and then B.B. King is just ripping on this record. That's playing crazy. at the jail. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, 
Every day I have the blues. How blue can you get? Sweet 16. Thrill is gone. Killer blues record. And that's a place to play it, too. That was a time. A lot of people were like, we're going to play at the jail. I don't think anyone's done the jail thing yet. Still in Rolling Thunder. Rolling Thunder yeah. played. Right. Jail. But I'm saying recently, I can think of, well, I know Metallica did that about, uh, it's been a while now. They did that for one of their albums. And yeah. some, uh, and, uh, and a girl, I remember uh, an all female, being being females and actually young teenage girls at the time, uh, Phantom Blue, I think they played they a, a jail, which was a really bad decision. Be amazed. It's like, what are you guys thinking? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not the same as having your Dylan or BB King or uh, you know, or Johnny Cash. You know, yeah, it's not the situation. audience you want there. You don't want the audience. It's not your audience. You know, know your know your audience. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. that's true. That's true. But I know we can't what? go on forever. But I got a couple. There's a couple others here that were important to me. Three. Can you do three at one time? Yeah, go for it. There's no rules. Well, this is another one that a guitar teacher gave me, Johnny Winter and Live. Uh, nice. With Rick Derringer on the other guitar. Yep. Another great riffing, guitar player. Ripping record. I mean, the version of Jumpin' Jack Flash, Good Morning Little Schoolgirl. So that one, Stephen Stills' Manassas, probably been listened to 80 million times. Oh, wow. That's a... This is one of my faves. Chris Hillman. What's that? I don't know if I've actually heard that one. You, oh, you got to get one. this record. You got to get 1972 double record. It's one of my favorite records. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I'll have to check that out now. See? Oh, you got, you got This is it. And this I love Crosby's Edge. I've seen him. I've actually seen band. I've actually met David Crosby before went to jail. I'm a big fan oh, of really? him. Steven, yeah, oh, yeah. He was awful. He looked real bad, too. He, or he yeah. just got out of jail. He was the in and out of doing a lot of cocaine. And going to jail, they get arrested with a gun or whatever. Yeah, and I saw him. He was soaked in sweat. He was still. He didn't look like he was doing cocaine because he was still kind of like loaded looking. He was Not looking gaunt. Like it wasn't like you were doing a lot of cocaine. And you weren't eating, staying up. Like he was. He looked like he was still surviving, and uh, yeah. he was not looking good at all. Um, yeah. But and then I saw him later on. He looked a lot better. And he opened. They actually played with uh, Tom Petty. I saw him. Oh wow! Yeah. Played. They opened up for Tom Petty. Yeah, me and my wife saw them on their last tour that they did five years ago or before they started fighting again. <laughs> They're insane. They are insane, you know. But legends though. And then I got a I love I don't really consider this metal, but I do love my metal. But Rainbow, man. You can consider that like rock and roll slash metal. I have a hard time categorizing yeah. that kind of stuff too, because I'm like it is black. So, I love Dio's voice and Richie Blackmore. Yeah, Richie Blackmore is one of my all-time favorite guitar players, and nobody can hit a strat like that, you know. Deep Purple and Richie Black. I've got a, so more stuff from the '70s, but yeah, I got a lot of Rainbow and Deep Purple on vinyl that, that get played still quite a bit. <laughs> That's it. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the gauntlet down for a challenge. We're gonna we'll do a, two, a 2023. We'll have you back in a couple months. Okay. You you'll pick your list now. Come up with What's 10 that? to 15 albums. You'll come up with a theme. 10 to 15 albums that you think. You figure out what you want to do. Go down. All right. So, oh, think of okay. a theme. Because you time over the holidays. You got a couple. You're thinking about it. Like, you know, how you want to present it. And that'll All be right, a very interesting thing. We'll do it. Um, but this has been great. Um, I'm going to encourage you to also check out, besides going doing a deep dive for these albums, obviously check out you. Check out your band. Check out your solo stuff. You know. Yeah. Uh, anything got going on? Come out. Uh, we're just doing shows, trying sticking close to home. I, I mean, we're playing in uh, Indianapolis this weekend, and here in Northwest Indiana. Well, we have uh, we have friends that are in a Crosby, Stills, Nash tribute band called Marrakesh Express, <laughs> and every every yeah, really good, great band. And every uh, this will be the second annual. We're going to try and do it every year in December. We uh the radio gets behind it and promotes it and we play a show together and we have a big jam set. Um and it's great, it's a lot of fun. We sold it out last year and we're doing that this Saturday at here in Griffiths, Indiana at the nine one two club. So I'm looking forward to that. And we're in Indianapolis Friday. Um I have some acoustic things on the side. Um the gig in St. Louis 
Uh, just just hanging around the Midwest now. The winter's yeah. getting here. We don't we don't play a whole lot in January, February. We're going to be on that Rock Legends cruise. Oh, so cool. and probably be doing some shows down south with that. But yeah, just playing around Chicago, Indiana, hmm. Michigan. For the, check the website, people, because for when it's recorded and when it goes out, it might be a little bit of time. Not maybe not a few days. Might be a week. We're editing it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. But okay. just go on the website, people. People go on the website and check it out. And, you know, support the band. But uh. Appreciate it, Sean. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show. It's been good. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me.